Sega is looking to buy a mobile game developer who wants to run away from its biggest hit. Plus, Nintendo is finally bringing a popular Japanese event to Seattle in September. Tonight is April 16th, 2023, and the Bobby Blackwell Show featuring your calls and chat comments is up next. So, so not, you would say uh, even if... Blah, blah, blah. Okay, I'll let you go. You talk. Wow, what, what happened to your voice? Thank you, Skype. So video games, that's what the show is about. This is that one, Akia Ripper from uh, Sweden. And what's with all the Halo hate, Bob? You've been hating on Halo a lot lately. I, I just don't like shooters. I'm not saying it's a bad game, I just don't like it. Billy OK says he can't be seen in public playing games that aren't hardcore. What would people say? And what up, G and Chad is once again talking about wrestling. That's why it's it's not because they hate the fans. It's more because they have to start from scratch. Uh, hogwash. Later. From a little room in Atlanta, Georgia, Bobby Blackwolf. That's right. Elon Musk tried to ban our bot, and it worked. But we're still here, despite the fact that Twitter doesn't want us telling you that we're here. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a yet another edition of the Bobby Blackwell Show, where we discuss the current news affecting the video game industry, as well as sometimes reminisce about gaming's history. My name is Bobby Blackwell. If you're joining us here live on this Sunday night, welcome. Uh, thank you so much for being here. We do tape this show live each and every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, right here at the Voice Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Vogue Network. Uh, and that's where uh, you can come and uh, interact with the show directly, and I'll be trying to read intelligent comments from chat uh, throughout the night. Uh, and uh, But we are a podcast, so if you want to join our Discord server instead, vognetwork.com slash Discord. That is also where you'll be able to get notifications about when podcasts go up, when other people go live, and things like that. Uh, because, yes, we are no longer uh, permitted to automatically have things post to uh, to Twitter, at least, which is where we only did it. And um, I don't think Mastodon is the right place for doing advertisements like that. So... There is a uh, there's a Discord channel that you can even mute if you don't care and you don't want to hear it. You can mute it. That's the great thing about about uh, about uh, uh, the Discord server. Um, so uh, I, I wanted to, to to show some stuff uh, real quick. I haven't shown any of this in in here. Uh, so w- one of the things that I've been having to do, um, I've talked about, and this this is. Kind of personal, but I promise it's gaming and Questbuster may be like, oh, that's kind of cool what you got there. So I'm glad Questbuster's in chat. Uh, I've been dealing with my parents' estate. Uh, my, my father passed away in 2013. My mom passed away back in August of last year. Uh, and we're like in the last bit of dealing with the estate. So I'm finding things that the like the last minute, like, you know, put somewhere. And, and I wanted to share this one thing that I found, and it's a mailing. And I've got to hold it up very uh, very weirdly because I don't want to dox myself or my address or anything like that. But there was this mailer out uh, about this new Commodore 64 software from Mindscape. If you liked watching Indiana Jones, you'll love being Indiana Jones. So it's an actual ad. Um, and, and also, Indiana Jones doesn't play by the rules and neither will you. Uh, so this is an old mailer. For Indiana Jones and the Lost Kingdom, uh, and uh, and it's a Mindscape game for the Commodore sixty four, uh, and so it was mailed to my dad. Uh, so like this, this was actually something from my dad, um, and it even had some artist screenshots over here uh, and stuff. So and it's it's in very very rough shape uh, for people on the podcast. Like it's obviously been like crinkled up, and you know it, it's not it, it's 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 something most people wouldn't keep. But I, I just thought it was kind of neat because it's uh, it, it's uh, and I don't remember. Let's see, what year was this? Nineteen eighty four. So this is an ad, a video game ad from nineteen eighty four, and uh, it's like this strategy and action program, entertaining and challenging to all ages, allows for one or two players to seek the lost artifact with six different screens, three skill levels, colorful, full screen animated graphics, and a 24-hour clue hotline. The challenge is complete. Uh, so this exciting new computer software for the Commodore 64 is now available at leading retailers throughout the USA. Only twenty nine ninety five with an asterisk. What's the asterisk? Uh, suggested retail price. Joystick required. So you need to have your own joystick. Uh, you can experience the fun and excitement of being Indiana Jones. Uh, yes, this was before I was 29. And, um, but so you say at 29.95. So I, and I just thought of this and I know I'm, do, I'm doing this, I'm doing this wrong. I should have prepared this. I want to check something. So inflation calculator, I do this every once in a while. 
is um, where uh, I basically put in uh, what something costs. So this was twenty nine ninety five. This that's how much this game cost in nineteen eighty four. So what is that in today's dollars? How much did we pay for computer games in nineteen eighty four? Let us find out. That is eighty seven dollars and one cent in today's money. So this game for the Commodore sixty four. In 1984, cost 29.95, which in today's dollars is 87 dollars and one cent. So 87 bucks. So whenever you hear games are so expensive nowadays, they're still not as expensive as they used to be. And Questbuster even says bleeding edge technology was expensive. Yes, it was. Uh, what's also interesting is I found the business card for the software store. Uh, it was called Software City, the Program Discount Center. And I found the uh, the business card that actually had the address. I'm like, I remember exactly where that was. And that, that shopping center still exists, and it's something else. But on the back, my dad actually wrote down a phone number and the uh, at some times because that's they ran a BBS at night uh, or between 6 and 9 p.m. on weekends. Uh, and you could call in only during that time because I guess it was like they only had one phone line. So that was the time like, we're not going to get any voice calls, so you can call our BBS. And so he has the number and the stuff. So I, th- I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, so, uh, yeah. And uh, and Rob Roberts says, confirm Bobby Black was still willing to pay more for Theater Rhythm Final Bar Line for than Indiana Jones. This is correct. And I will also say, because this went to my dad and this went to this Software City. And I remember this Software City as a kid, this specific one. Uh, I don't remember the name of the person that was there, uh, but I will say that my dad did not pay a dime for any of the games. Um, it was it was quite interesting, the culture back then that my dad had. Um, when I was going, especially when I was going through discs and I found like old disc boxes, I found very, very few games in their box. And I found very, very few original copies of the discs. Everything was handwritten labels. And I'm, I, I do remember as a kid... I was raised really well, wasn't I? I remember as a kid one time going into this exact software city that was on this card. And uh, my dad going in, it's like, what's the great new game? And and he said, uh, he said Karatika, which I think it's actually pronounced Karatika, but we didn't know. Uh, Karatika. And my dad's like, oh, great. And, and he's like, give me a second. The guy behind the counter went over, did some stuff on his Commodore 64 behind the counter, and then handed my dad the disc and said, here you go. Like, he literally got it from... The software store. And I'm sure that my dad was compensating in other ways. I do know that, uh, uh, you know, my dad being a pioneer in uh, in BBSs and online computer stuff had access to things that really drive technology. Um, And, uh, you know, I I don't really want to get into too much of that, but he he did a, a lot in... Things that drive technology, and if you want, you know, if you think back, uh, if you read between the lines, uh, why did VHS uh, win out over Betamax? It's because a certain industry uh, uh, backed VHS. Uh, the internet became very popular because of a very certain industry. And if you can read between the lines, my dad was kind of involved in some of that technology stuff. So I'm pretty sure that's why uh, we didn't actually have to pay cash for things. Um, and he does, he does, did have, uh, posters like ironic posters about not copying that floppy in his office, uh, and stuff. And I just had to laugh because he totally copied that floppy. And I actually have, I have, and I kept this stuff. He actually bought software cracking tools for the Commodore 64 because I have the manuals for them of like pro copy, I think was the name of one, but it actually talks about like Commodore 64 copy protection and how you can copy a disc that's been copy protected and all that stuff. So he definitely was in that type of scene. And, uh, so that's, that's how I was raised. And, uh, and, uh, and yeah, so, um, and pod culture says, uh, Papa Black Wolf was a pirate. Yeah, he was, he was, and, uh, he was not ashamed. And uh, Questor says, doing research on some topics I like to read about. I remember seeing an ad for Floppy Disk that says an elephant never forgets. That's actually the poster he has. He has a poster of an elephant, and it's I. I uh, we're about to get the house completely cleaned out, 
So I have like two, you know, a couple days left, and but I'll try to get a picture of that poster before we throw it away because I'm not keeping it. It's in rough shape, but it is like an elephant thing with with floppy disks. That's what we actually had uh, up there. So I just wanted to share that uh, at, at the beginning because I thought it was kind of cool, and um, this 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 thing's in pretty rough shape. I actually have several things like this uh, that I've that I've kind of put aside, put in boxes and, and stuff. Uh, this is just the one that I found this past weekend, and that's why it's sitting on my table. And I'm like, you know what? I should show the people here. Uh, Fifth Room says, it's, uh, y- y'all, it's called game preservation. Yes, it, it, it is. It is. Um, so uh, I also do want to say, because I put it up here on the screen, I did see the movie. Uh, I saw the movie that's made like $840 billion, gazillion dollars that the critics hate, but the audience loves. I saw it. It was fun fan service. Um, I, uh, I, I can't wait until some future time when I, you know, you're not worried about spoiling the movie uh, to talk about, um, you know, kind of some of the musical choices. I actually made a joke about it last week in our interview with Mustin. Uh, I am kind of that that is the only part that kind of disappointed me. And. It's one of those, like, if I didn't have social media, I wouldn't have known in the first place. Uh, so maybe it's social media's fault because I would have liked it anyway uh, it, had I not known. But uh, there, there were some musical choices uh, and, you know, respect towards uh, musicians who were not named Koji Kondo that uh, I feel were a little overlooked. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and entire things that were taken out of the movie at the last second. Um some of those I agree with, some of them I don't. But I really don't want to turn this show into a spoiler cast because, like, you're probably you might want to watch it eventually, even if it's like in forty five to sixty days when it hits streaming or something like that. So, uh, Tiger Claw says, uh, last I read, it made over six hundred million worldwide and expect to open to Japan on April twenty eighth, and that could be very on its way, well on its way to make a billion. It's it's going to make a billion. I know it is, but. Uh, speaking of something happening not on April 28th, but on May 28th, Summer Games Done Quick 2023 is going to be happening. And uh, as I mentioned, I have been selected as a host, uh, once again, for my seventh time. This is going to be my second time in person. And uh, I have actually been, um, I, I've actually uh, gotten my initial uh, schedule. So do you want to know my initial schedule? I haven't made any kind of cool graphic for this yet. Uh, the schedule for hosts was put out today. We were added uh, about noon ish today, so I've 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 known for about eight hours. So um, I am once again having two shifts at Summer Games Done Quick 2023. Uh, they are uh, once again not in prime time. Uh, I don't have any prime time stuff. Uh, and the first block is a remote block, and so what this means is that I am actually hosting for uh, runners who are not at the event. Um, so that is actually, I'm not even going to be on stage. Uh, what they did last year, uh, I didn't have to do this last year is that I'll be in like some other room in the hotel somewhere, um, on, you know, streaming just like I would at home. Basically the setup's going to be identical to what I have at home, except I'm going to be up in Minneapolis. So that's going to be this first block. It's not going to be, uh, in person, but it will be live. And what they do is they stream it, uh, stream the, um, broadcast out to the stream room and they have the mics on in the stream room so you still get the audience cheering and clapping i just won't be in the same room as the audience and i won't be able to hear them because it'll actually be like 30 seconds later so the first one is monday morning and uh the first they they currently say ten forty nine a.m eastern so it's going to be later than that probably uh actually last year monday they were actually ahead of schedule so you never know but um so ten forty nine a.m eastern uh alien swarm any percent co-op uh, by, uh, I think it's Kikistas or Kaikistas. I don't know. I'm going to figure out how to pronounce that. I haven't reached out yet. And Mr. Deagle, they're doing a co-op of Alien Swarm for PC. Then uh, the probably the one everybody wants to have, and I really wish this was in person. It would have been a lot of fun to have this one in person. Uh, you may have heard of Froob. I have history with Froob. He's not running a Yakuza game this time. He is actually running Attack on Titan 2 Final Battle. Season 3 on PC, and so he is not going to be there in person. He is going to be back home in the UK, and so that's how I know this is a remote block. Uh, But I get to work with Froob again, so uh, unfortunately, I don't think there's any karaoke in Attack on Titan. I don't think there's any Bakamatai. 
Uh, so, uh, but but we're we're still gonna have some fun. So there's that, and then uh, right after that is Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion. It's an any percent race between uh, Desa three five seven nine and Big Sid, and once again, that is also a remote run. Uh, so. All three of those games, I will be off stage in a room somewhere. We're at a different hotel, so I don't know what it's going to be like this time around. Um, the hotel's in downtown Minneapolis. Uh, and uh, so that that's going to be the first uh, block. It's going to be from about 11 a.m. Eastern until looks like about 2 o'clock in the afternoon Eastern. So um, it is not in the middle of the night. Um, between you and me, I... Uh, <laughs> I blocked off the time so I wouldn't get those early morning shifts because that's all I've gotten for the past couple of years. So uh, that's why I'm not in, on in the early morning is because I was like, nope, I'm not available during this time. So uh, an SGR when a man says, you and Froob's dynamic is too good to pass up. Thank you so much. I mean, I'm, I, I am a little bummed I'm not going to be on stage because that's really like the fun part of, of flying out there and spending all that money. Uh, so, you know, kind of bummed at that, but I get to work with Ruby again. So I guess that's a, that's a good consolation prize. But then I've got Friday. And uh, when I say Friday, I mean Thursday night because they've got me going into the morning. Uh, and, uh, so it's Thursday night, Friday morning. They think about one thirty AM. It's going to be more like two or two thirty. The, the, the schedule is going to be, um, it's, it's going to be pushed back a little bit by then. Um, so two and two thirty AM, I have. Amnesia Rebirth, any percent, being run by Blood Thunder. That's, I love horror games. You know how much I love horror. Here we go. I've got Amnesia. Uh, so I've got that. And then uh, at about 2.45 a.m. right after that is Shantae and the Pirate's Curse being run by the Sound Defense. It is all dark magic, pirate mode, no out of bounds. So uh, those are the two games I'm running. Those are in person. So I will actually be on stage for that. Um, and thankfully, like, because, uh, it's in central time zone, that's actually like a 1230 AM run, uh, is just one thirty uh, Eastern time. So that's, those are the two shifts that I have, uh, that I am going to be there. Uh, the first one is all remote runs. Uh, the second one is in person and, uh, I look forward to, uh, you being there. Um, it is going to be benefiting, is it, yeah, it's Doctors Without Borders for the. I, I, I had to look. Doctors Without Borders is who it's benefiting. Uh, I will say, if you want to donate during my runs, um, there were instructions I gave you last time around about donating and how you could get in. Uh, don't follow those instructions. Um, I'll just I'll just kind of say that and leave it at that. Uh, but uh, I will tell you a good donation comment to get read at any time during games done quick is to mention the run. Uh, mention the runner and uh, mention an incentive that is being pushed. If you can tell that something's being pushed, if you can somehow work all three of those things in, it's a pretty good chance you're going to get read on the air. Um, any other superfluous instructions I may have given you in the past six times uh, about what to put in your donation, uh, don't do that. And uh, other than that, uh, your donation will be greatly, greatly appreciated. Let's get into the news. And... Uh, I was trying to scratch my head, fearing what what am I going to talk about? And uh, this uh, was pasted up, and I I was like, okay, that's interesting. And then there was a sub-story that I missed in February that was even more interesting to me. Uh, So the the main story that's happening this week is about another uh, acquisition, another game developer acquisition. Uh, But it's more for a mobile game developer. So we're not talking the Call of Duty, but we're talking about something that probably was as big in the cultural zeitgeist at one time as Call of Duty. And we're talking about Angry Birds, which ironically was my father's favorite video game in the end. He even had an Angry Birds like little cap and uh, he was in the top 100 of all Angry Birds players in the early 2010s uh, before he passed. So, um, and my mom also, I found like she printed out something where she was like one of the top as well. So anyway, uh, Video Games Chronicle reports that Sega could be poised to acquire Rovio Entertainment, the Finnish developer behind the Angry Birds series of games. According to a report in the Wall Street Journal, which cites people familiar with the situation, Sega Sammy Holdings is in talks to buy Rovio in a deal worth around $1 billion, or about 1.3 times uh, how much Super Mario movie made so far. The report suggests that as long as the talks don't break down and aren't drawn out for any reason, the deal could be done in a matter of days. It has not been done yet. 
So we're still, we're still working on it. Um, Rovio had previously been the target of Playtika, an Israeli-based mobile developer best known for its casual slot machine, poker, and hidden object games. Uh, Playtika announced in January that it had submitted a pro- proposal to acquire Rovio for $810 million, a little bit closer to how much the Super Mario Mo- Brothers movie has already uh, earned here in the United States. A few weeks later... Rovio announced that its board of directors had started a strategic review and was entering preliminary discussions with various properties, including uh, I- including Platika. However, Platika announced last month that its discussions with Rovio had ended with no deal agreed, uh, meaning it doesn't stand in the way of Sega's deal. In recent months, Rovio has been struggling to find a comfortable business model, and that accommodates both its much-loved Angry Birds game and the rest of its portfolio. This is the interesting part, and this is why I'm talking about this. So, yeah, okay, Sega might buy Rovio, which really honestly means we're going to get Angry Birds in Yakuza. That's really what it means. I know people are saying, you know, Fifth Dream says Angry Birds Personas and Persona 6 confirm. No, no, no. We're going to get Angry Birds in Yakuza or, or Like a Dragon now. So l- l- the new Like a Dragon, uh, if this goes through, you, you better believe there's going to be some Angry Birds in there. There's going to be an Angry Birds side story. It's going to be in Club Sega. It's going to be... It, 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 they may even like incorporate it in the game. Like they've got a Pokemon Go uh, pastiche in, in in Yakuza Like a Dragon, where you're basically collecting uh, the thugs on the street and the different ones, and then you, you it, it's a whole Pokemon Go dynamic. But they could do it with Angry Birds, and they could absolutely do something. And and I would not put it behind them to have a slingshot birds weapon. That that's where it's going to go. I, Persona Six. That funny joke, haha! I don't think that's where they're going to go. But the Yakuza series would be, are probably like licking their chops. They're like, really, 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 and and they are they're already brainstorming. I don't know that for sure. But this is the, the this is the interesting part, and this is the interesting part about game developers shooting themselves in the foot and having to try to figure out how to get around it later. In February. The studio announced that it was removing the Android version of Angry Birds and renaming the iOS version, claiming the popularity of the 2009 mega hit was impacting the business of its older games. And I'm like, wait a minute. This sounds like a story that I didn't cover. Like I, this kind of like I just didn't notice it. This happened in February. So I'm going to go back and talk about something that happened in February, because this, I think, is kind of it's kind of hilarious to me. So Video Games Chronicle reported that Rovio has announced that it's removing the Android version of Angry Birds and renaming the iOS version, claiming the popularity of the 2009 mega hit is impacting the business of its other games. The publisher removed several Angry Birds games, including the 2009 original from the app stores in 2019, claiming it was for testing purposes. The Bregman asked, seriously, is there still a big audience for Angry Birds? Get this. It was re-released as Rovio re-released the original title in April of 2022 under the name Rovio Classics Angry Birds. Less than a year after bringing the game back, however, Rovio is pulling it again, claiming its presence has an impact on the performance of its other games, many of which contain lucrative microtransactions. While the Android version of Angry Birds is being removed entirely, the iOS version is instead being renamed Red's first flight. So uh, a move that has been seemingly made to make it harder to identify it as the original Angry Birds and therefore less popular. So Red, that is the red bird that you you know of. And I think that was like the star of the Angry Birds movie uh, when it came out. And, and so it's kind of the main. So they say Red's first flight is to make it more, you know, uh, oh, this is a spinoff of the movie. Like this is a game based on the movie, but it's not actually Angry Birds. So, this is what uh, a statement from the company said. Quote, we had reviewed the, business, reviewed the business case of Rovio Classics Angry Birds, and due to the game's impact on our wider games portfolio, we have decided that Rovio Classics Angry Birds will be unlisted from the Google Play Store on Thursday, February 23rd. So, this was a couple months ago. Additionally, the game will be renamed to Red's First Flight in the App Store pending further review. Rovio Classics Angry Birds will remain playable on devices where the game has been downloaded, even after it has been unlisted. We understand this is sad news for many fans, as well as the team that had worked hard to make Rovio Classics Angry Birds a reality. We are extremely grateful to the Angry Birds fans who have shown their love of the uh, brand and this game from the beginning. 
We hope those fans can continue to bring that passion to our live Angry Birds Slingshot games, such as Angry Birds 2, Angry Birds Friends, and Angry Birds Journey, where our goal every day is to craft the best possible experience for players, unquote. Here's why they did it. Rovio Classics Angry Birds cost 99 cent. And that's it. There were no microtransactions. There were no additional content. You paid 99 cents and you got every level. Played as many times as you want. And that was it. Angry Birds 2, Angry Birds Friends, Angry Birds Journey, all those are free to play with microtransactions. And the, what they're saying, what they're actually saying is people, instead of pl- buying the games and playing the games where they could, would have to spend more money, they are instead saying, why should I do that when I can just pay 99 cents for the original and I'm good? I've got the OG. So Rovio is actively trying to run away from the original Angry Birds because the original Angry Birds has no microtransactions then they can't sustain their business on a game that was 99 cents. So they're trying to pull it, hoping that people will buy other Angry Birds titles because there are other Angry Birds titles, but they're free to play and you have to spend more money. It is They cost a lot more than 99 cents to get play, whereas the OG was 99 cents and you got everything. It was, everything was unlocked. And that was it. You didn't have to pay another cent. And Rovio, I think the reason Rovio is selling is because, unfortunately, too many people were just buying Angry Birds and they weren't playing any of the other live service games, which is what you need to have if you want kind of an ongoing economy like that. Fifth Dream says, oh, God, I don't I hope this doesn't become a trend. We're delisting Final Fantasy 1 through 15, so people will buy 16. Did you not notice that they've like delisted the original versions of games when the remasters come out? And mostly like the PlayStation 1 classics. They're gone once they release the remaster. It's already a trend. It's already a trend. Um so but I I found that I found that fascinating that they basically shot themselves in the foot by not having it be free to play with microtransactions in 2009. Uh, and they're still paying for it in 2023 because they made such a good game available for just 20 uh, for just 99 cents, and it was absolutely worth that 99 cents. I would actually say Angry Birds is actually, I I'm sure my dad would have totally paid five to ten bucks for Angry Birds. Like 99 cents is a steal for Angry Birds, um, and I may, maybe it was more when it came out, but like there the race to the floor in mobile game prices, especially in 2009, you know, we, we were just a couple years into the app store phenomenon and actually having mobile games. Um, the race to the floor was very quick. And so you had these big, huge games with huge, huge budgets for mobile stuff. And you basically couldn't sell them for more than 99 cents, or was nobody was going to buy them. So, um, I just find it. I, I just found that instantly fascinating when I saw that. And this is the real story underneath the the uh the sega purchase but now with sega there they could probably bring back the original angry birds for 99 cents and you know say it's not going to hurt sega as much um or they can give you know they can just put angry birds for free inside the next like a dragon and that would be like oh you want to play angry birds we're gonna well every level is going to be available in like a dragon it's going to be available in Club Sega. You got to play the first like two hours of the story, and then you can go in there and you can play all the Angry Birds you want. And we'll even put trophies. They'll even put trophies and achievements in it for Angry Birds because they actually do that. Like there are, if you want a platinum uh, Yakuza like a dragon or, or you know get all the achievements, you actually do have to like beat Outrun in the arcade. That's one of the things you have to do. You have to get to the end of Virtual Fighter. You you have to play all the games to get all of the platinum trophies. So they could do that and just like put it right inside there. Um, Yakuza Like a Dragon is uh, is this generation's Animal Crossing. For those of you who played Animal Crossing for the GameCube, and the only reason you got it was because you get all those little NES games and put them all, and you can play the NES games. Uh, it was like its own Virtual Con. Yeah, Yakuza Like a Dragon's that now. Like that, they they're the they're today's Animal Crossing with that. 
ZenMonkey11 says that they've already done this with the WWE 2K uh, games. They removed 17, 18, 19, 20 because those games don't have those card packs they want you to buy in WWE 2K22 and 2K23. Uh, the sports games have been doing it forever. They'll delist the old sports games and stop supporting them and selling them. Um, and, but but you can still play them. And especially if they have physical copies, you can still get the physical copies from a used game store and you'd still be able to play them, but they're not going to put any new updates on them. But that that's that I have seen a lot um, of delisting. And, uh, and also, but you could also look back at like the Forza series. Like you can't get any of the Forza Horizons before five. You can't get one, two, three, or four anymore. Uh, that is actually more due to licensing, um, licensing of the cars. Those are not infinite. You can't have those licenses in perpetuity. Uh, you have to, uh, they have to have an end date and they probably were like, yes, we're going to have these licenses for three years or four years or something like that. Same with the music tracks. And once that license is up, they legally can't sell it anymore. You can still play it and you can still buy it used because Microsoft's not the one selling it to you, but Microsoft can't sell it to you anymore after three or four years, which is why it gets delisted. And Dark to see says this also why they stopped using the Ferrari and Outrun. Yes, they the all everything that you get that's outrun nowadays is not Ferrari, even though the original game had Ferrari branding on all this stuff. And uh, and uh, you know, so that's one of the popular things people like to do is is put the put the Ferrari ROM back in. Uh, instead of the ROM that they're using. So uh, the other story I want to talk about, and um, a lot of people have been putting this in as like it's part of E3, and like they put this into the E3 discourse, and I I don't do that. I'm not doing that. Uh, Because E3 is canceled. It's not happening. Uh, Jeff Keighley is doing Summer Game Fest, and people are doing their own thing, and everybody thought this is kind of like a, a reaction to that, and it might be a little bit, but I kind of want to just talk about wh- what this could be and what it has been in the past, because this is nothing new. And it's about Nintendo. Kotaku reports that Nintendo has announced on Twitter that its in-person event, which is open to fans of all ages, will take place in the rainy city of Seattle this September. Specific details of what will be shown have not been disclosed yet. However, according to the company's website, there will be a live stage performances, a large-scale themed area, photo opportunities with some of your favorite Nintendo characters and tournaments with some goaded competitors. And they said, quote, announcing Nintendo Live 2023, an in-person event for fans of all ages that will take place in Seattle this September, experience Switch gameplay, live stage performances, tournaments, photo ops, and more, unquote. In a press release delivering the news, Nintendo of America president Doug Bowser said that the company wanted to expand the scope of its unique games, which is why the Company, uh, which is what the hum- company hopes Nintendo Live will do later this year. He also hopes that Peaches, 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 Peaches will return his call. He says, quote, fans of all ages can currently experience the unique games, characters, and worlds of Nintendo on Nintendo Switch, but we want to expand that scope with a new experience. With Nintendo Live 2023, we're giving uh, attendees a chance to celebrate together with family, friends, and the broader Nintendo community in the spirit of fun and create long-lasting memories, unquote. More details will be revealed in the future, though Nintendo did not specify what exactly that will be. Um, so, Dark Tizia says this sounds like more like their nationwide tours they've done in the past to promote their existing lineup. They've actually been doing this in Japan for a while. Like, I don't know if they've been doing it the last three years, but they always kind of did a Nintendo Live event. Um, I remember back in the 2000s, it was called Space World. And Space World 2000 was a very, very infamous event. Um, so here, here's a little history lesson. Space World 2000, they were showing Zelda, a Zelda prototype for the GameCube. And what this Zelda showed, prototype showed was basically Link doing a bunch of, a bunch of moves. And then Wind Waker was shown, and it didn't look anything like that. It was this cell-shaded cartoon, which today we look back very fondly and we're like, man, that was a great game. It was a great art style. People revolted against it because what they saw was that Space World 2000 thing, which was in Japan. They saw that, and they're like, that is the GameCube. That was the Zelda game we wanted, and we got this kitty stuff, and that's where the whole GameCube is kitty. Uh, meme, which we didn't have the word meme in this context back then, but that's what it was. The GameCube is Kitty meme came from is because they showed this uh, the, the Space World 2000 footage, and they were, and then you know, then we got, um, then we got Wind Waker, 
And they were like, wait a minute, what the hell? So I am actually showing on the Twitch feed, this was the video that was shown at Space World 2000 of what a Zelda game on the Nintendo GameCube, which had not released yet, could possibly look like. And so when it didn't look like this, it was all about the Wind Waker hate. And uh, the Breakman says Nintendo made the heads at Reddit explode. We didn't have Reddit at the time. Um, we we this was just on message. This was Live Journal, and this was message boards, and um and, and blogs, web blogs, your GeoCities page. Um, actually, I think GameFAQs was around, like the GameFAQs forums, Game FAQs, like those forums were were pretty huge. Uh, but it was all like internet message forums. And they were all very, uh, very upset. Quest Special says, real media for everyone. Yes, real media for everyone. So Nintendo's been doing these for a while. These, this space, like They didn't do Space World every year, but they did it when they had something big to show. And they mostly did them in Japan. So they're finally bringing it over to... Uh, and they, they're, now they're bringing that type of experience over to America. Um, I actually contend that the Nintendo World Championships in 1990 sound a lot like this as well. Uh, and that was a fun experience because they had bands and live experiences, but that toured. Uh, but this is going to be set up in a single place. I don't know if it's going to happen at the same time as PAX because PAX is in Seattle in September or if they're going to make people want to fly out to Seattle twice. I don't know. So uh, I, I think that's interesting. People are saying it's because of the response to E3. I think it's just Nintendo does a real in-person event when they feel like they have a reason to, and they feel like they have a reason to now. We are going to take a quick music break, and then uh, we'll come back and talk to Rob about some of this stuff uh, and, and about uh, anything else going on in the industry. You're participating with the Bobby Blackwell Show here on the Voice of Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash vognetwork. Listening to the Bobby Blackwell Show. Woohoo! It's a number one. I'm not sure about video game radio. Number one. <laughs> I'm number one. The heck with everybody else. <laughs> You're listening to the great radio show. Now have a robin' day. <laughs> he was in the movie. He was in the movie. So we can all calm down. He's in the movie a couple times. A couple different characters. Uh, well, yeah, so if you want to, uh, you do not have to be, uh, the voice of Mario to leave a bumper. Uh, all you got to do is send me an MP3 of just your voice or a video of just your voice, uh, to, uh, contact me on discord or on social media, or you can email me at bumpers at bobbyblackwolf.com. Uh, I will choose what DMCA violation I want to put behind it. And, uh, and then, uh, saying that you're coming back to, uh, the, the Bobby Blackwell show here on the voice geeks network. Thank you so much for that. Um, yeah, so we were actually talking about some stuff uh, on the Twitch feed because there's no words in it. I don't put it on the podcast. I did run a uh, an ad, a video ad, ad, and I'm putting ad in, in quoted fingers because it's it's cool uh, for the Southern Fried Gaming Expo, which is July 28th through 30th here in the Atlanta area. It's at the Renaissance Waverly Hotel in Cobb Galleria, uh, which is where it's been for the past couple of years. It's just a little bit northwest of Atlanta. It's actually within uh, sight of Truist Park. And uh, unfortunately, yes, the Atlanta Braves have a home have home games that weekend. So traffic's going to be fun. Uh, but uh, we are most likely we are we are in talks and we'll almost um, we are about ready to officially announce that we are going to once again be a sponsor of the Southern Fried Gaming Expo. It is an arcade, pinball, gaming, board gaming, all types of gaming, uh, music. They even have wrestlers uh, and stuff. And uh, so uh, we are going to be there as Voice of Geeks Network. I'm going to be there hopefully speaking on moderating some panels. And uh, it is their 10th anniversary. It is the 10th anniversary of the show. Uh, we've been there since day one uh, here as the Voice of Geeks Network. So, uh, And uh, Rob Rivers says, I've heard you definitely don't want to miss this year. So you should make plans to go there. Uh, and uh, you can play all these games on free play. And I will tell you that uh, they've doubled the space. So they've got... Uh, so if you've ever been to like Anime Weekend Atlanta or something like that, uh, or you've been to Southern Fried Gaming Expo in the past. I can tell you, because the, the organizers are not saying this in private or anything, uh, they actually had all the pinball games in one hall, one big hall. You, so you saw that big hall in my 
uh, previous videos when I would show this, and that's Hall D. They also have Hall C now that's right next to it, which is the same size. So they essentially doubled the space where they can have arcade and pinball and console games and uh, stuff like that. So it is um, is it, it they're 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 going big. And uh, they've got a lot more space and everything. So Southern Fried Gaming Expo, GameATL.com is where you can go. Or you can do like Southern Fried Gaming Expo.com. But that's a lot to type. GameATL.com. And uh, and may, come see me. And uh, maybe come see other people. I don't know. Um, and SJ, what I'm at, says, uh, great, they really bounced back from the pandemic. Good for them. Yes, they did. Um, and because they still had a show in 2021, if you remember, it was in August. Uh, and so they were able to do a little bit then, and then it really did bounce back pretty well in 2022. And so that was able to get them the funds to get back up to 2023 so they can get bigger and better, uh, and stuff. So I'm very, very glad, uh, that, uh, that, that it's happening and that we're going to have, uh, have, have a really good time. I'm, I'm really, 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 really looking forward to it. Actually, I'm going to check, I'm going to check the green room. I don't know, just just in case. So we do have a green room cha- voice chat channel in uh, Vogue Network. I can, if you're in the green room voice chat channel during the music break, I will look in uh, and see if somebody wants to call in about anything going on in the gaming industry. That is how you get on the air. I can bring you on and we can talk about the gaming industry. And uh, and uh, so uh, you know, I'm, I'm checking that real quick before we move on. Uh, there was actually a topic earlier, and it was kind of interesting because we were talking about like where everybody was upset about the Space World 2000, and I said like the GameFAQ stuff, and they're like, GameFAQ is still around. I'm like, yeah, text guides forever, uh, and and they're like, and the forums are still around too, and you can still find messages posts from 20 years ago. Like it, it the one of the funny things that I love doing is I love going back to. Like and Slashdot will do this too. So if if Slashdot's still around, it was like the big news for nerds site twenty years ago. And I will look up, and they will actually put like this day in Slashdot history, and it's like the most commented posts of this day in its history. And so sometimes you'll find posts that have like a thousand comments that was posted in like two thousand two and stuff. And so you could see what people who were in their twenties then, who are now in their forties, what they were arguing about on the internet. It's the same stuff. But uh, but yeah, and uh, Questbrush says text guides for the win. Yes, that's why I still use GameFAQs a lot, uh, because I don't want to get spoiled on how things look. Uh, I I I don't want to watch somebody play it because I don't want because all the video guys, all the walkthroughs now are there. Like, here's my no commentary YouTube, and I'm like, that's great, but like, that's a little bit too much spoilery for me. Um, Mike Def says I like text guides, but I now prefer video guides, and 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 yeah, I mean. There's some good stuff on GameFAQs. I'll show you one thing I've got here. And I, and I actually printed them out, but, like, there, there's, like, a little... This is a Persona 3 portable. What I'm holding up is, uh, like, an Excel spreadsheet type of thing, but it, like, shows, like, when all the confidants are available and what the answers should be to the questions. If you ever played Persona 3 portable, you know what I'm talking about. If, if you've never played it, you don't know what I'm talking about, it's, but, but it's the visual novel part. And so I've got, like, all, the, all that stuff printed out because that's a lot better than trying to go through a video guide and have them tell you, okay... What's up, gamers? Let's get into it. You're going to want to hit A, B, A for this first conversation, and you're going to want to talk to them. Yeah. So I still print things out sometimes. Not much, but I still print things. I mean, I have a printer. I need to use it every once in a while, or, or the ink dries, and it never works again. Tyclaw says, I remember when the video guys used to be VHS tapes. Yeah, I got some downstairs uh, in, in my basement, and uh, I, I played some of them here on the show before. And, uh, and yeah. And the Breakman says, I forgot about using contact paper to make maps. Now, at least, they, the new games actually do that for you. Because I think uh, the uh, Sega Classics, the Fantasy Star that they did for Fantasy Star 1, the Sega Master System version, it actually has a mode where it will make the map for you as you go through. Instead, so you don't have to use the graph paper to make it yourself like you did on the Sega Master System. It actually makes the map for you. And S. Jared Matt says, printing up GameFAQs, guys, is the gamer version of printing up maps request directions to go places. I only printed out these because they're like big Excel. Then it's actually like, here I am defending myself to you. But, you know, these are actually like color-coded Excel spreadsheets, and it's actually across two pages, and you have to like put them side by side for it to work and stuff. So 
scrolling around was kind of kind of difficult. Uh, like especially like on a phone, it was hard to kind of scroll around and stuff like that. But uh, no, I mean I have actually taken like I've downloaded the text copy of 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 the the of like a game fax if I'm going on an airplane and I'm not going to have internet. I'll I'll do that so I can kind of scroll through it on my phone in airplane mode while I'm playing the game in airplane mode. Um, I've done that. I have not printed out an entire guide. I will pr- I printed out those just by themselves. Darklaw says, uh, I remember when people printed out facts that had all the uh, that had all the moves for the Mortal Kombat games, um, and and uh, and Fifth Dream says just like the ones that show where Pokemon are located. Uh, it's so hard to scroll around and search. Yeah, sometimes it's it's just easier to have it on a sheet of paper. That's all. Um, as Jeremiah said, I had print-ups of step charts for DDR songs. I used to take those step charts and listen to the song on CDs and try to shadow that way. I did that with Drum Mania to learn uh, the least the least 133 seconds, their least 100 seconds, which was like the, the, the final, like the bonus stage. So you had to like be good enough to get to it, and then you played it, and this was like Drum Mania 4th Mix. And so I got the, the chart for it and then, you know, listened to it so I could try to like actually beat the song because you had to play a lot to get to it. And then, yeah, because you couldn't just go straight to it. And DJ Romas says, I used to print FAQs and get them stapled and binded like a book. Hey, my dad did that too. And actually, I have something here that I, I found. We used to have these things called books. Is Questbuster still here? Are you still here? Because this is cool. Check this out. The book of adventure games. So this is a book. Once upon a time, isn't it the best way that literature starts? Where 16K computers were still the size of a house, there were adventure games. Since then, the two have evolved together. Computers are now more powerful and sophisticated, blah, 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 blah. So what this is, and I actually even have the receipt for it from that software city that I was talking about earlier. This book cost nineteen ninety five, by the way. He bought it on uh, February 2nd, 1985. That's when he bought this book. Um, I actually have two volumes of this uh, as well. So when, so this was 1984. But in this, it actually has all the text adventures, but it's also got like maps for them and solutions to puzzles. And so you would buy this book and it would tell you how to, you know, how to like, and it even gave like tips on, but it would give like, here is the map for the original text adventure adventure. Not the Atari 2600 adventure, but it's got like the map of that. And, uh, and so this, this, I, I'm, I'm keeping all this stuff. There's several pages of it. And then they're like other, some of the graphical games and stuff they've got. So this is what they had to do back in the eighties. There was no game FAQs. You actually had to go buy a book. But yeah. So that's what we did back in the day. So coming up next here on the Voice of Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash VOG Network is Orange Lounge Radio. It's three people out in Sacramento, California. They talk about games for much, much longer than I do. And uh, usually I get to them earlier, but I was talking history. Uh, so apologize for that. But Sacramento, are you there? I am here, Bobby. How are you? I, I am doing well. Just reminiscing about old stuff every once in a while. And all, <laughs> on all, all right. the treasures I... that I'm finding, this, this, adventure, this adventure is almost done, though. Um, we never get on tangents on nev- Orange never. OLR. Never. Never. Yeah. So are you trying to run away from Angry Birds as much as Rovio is? I never got on the Angry Birds train the way everyone else did. Um, I understand it's um, it's very addicting and, and why people are into it. I sort of feel like I went through that phase with, um, like, you know, Worms and... Um, Oh, what were those tank games? Tank Wars and Scorched Earth Scorched and Earth, all that yeah. stuff, which, you know, was were sort of like the angle and velocity mm-hmm. sort of, you know, based games uh, of the era. So I, I, I sort of feel like I kind of missed the boat on Angry Birds. But um, mm-hmm. great thing that you bolded and underlined there with the whole. It's interesting how they wanted to push the one with the microtransactions as opposed to the 99 cent one. Um, makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. Absolutely. And but it's still there on iOS, so you can still screw them over. It is. They just I was actually the name. Look, yeah, I was looking while you were uh, talking about it, and yeah, the if you actually just search for Angry Birds, it's not the first result because it's Angry Birds two, but maybe like the fourth result was that Red's uh, uh, Red's Red, first Red, adventure or whatever. Red, they Red's it. First, yeah, Red's first flight, yeah. and that is the original Perfect. Angry Birds. Yep, they just yep. don't want you to know that it's the original Angry Birds. Yeah, and they even talked in the description about how they've 
I guess remastered it. Maybe probably 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 they had to yes, because. They had to. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, a few years ago, iOS made a change mm-hmm. where, like, certain, you know, old bit wouldn't even work. That's why Flappy yeah. Bird doesn't work on, you yeah. know, modern phones, to make a long story short. Yeah, yeah. No, it's because when it, they had to be a 64-bit app, and you couldn't make a 64-bit app in 2009. Yes. So they yeah. had to, you know, they had to convert it up and then, you know, try, you know, fix the bugs that were shown for it, uh, you know, that came up. And so that's the remastered part. But then they still priced it at 99 cents, which probably was a good idea for the consumers. Yeah. But it's hurt them because they're like, well, nobody's playing Angry Birds, too. They're just playing regular first Angry Birds. Yeah, they're getting their fix that way. It's, um, you know, kind of the same formula at the end of the day, right? Yeah. And uh, are you planning on going to Seattle for whatever Nintendo's bringing over from Japan? Maybe it depends oh. on what weekend it is, um, yeah. because the ironic thing. So here's the thing. Obviously, Dragon Con is Labor mm-hmm. Day weekend and I will be there for sure. It was announced that in Tacoma, which if you, you know, you know the SeaTac airport services, both mm-hmm. Seattle and Tacoma, you go 20 yeah. minutes north, you're in Seattle, you go 20 minutes south, you're mm-hmm. in Tacoma. Tacoma is going to be having one of those Ingress tournaments that I sometimes go to mm-hmm. uh, live events the week after Dragon Con. So I was sort of thinking like, oh, you know, probably not going to really do both. They're a little too close together. It's all good. But if this Nintendo event happens to fall on that same weekend, that's going to make a really tough. That's going to make a really it's going to put things into a different light. I, I may mm-hmm. have to pull the trigger and make it work with my work to do both. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see yeah. what weekend they announce. Yeah. So, I mean, because, I mean, you're, you're, we're finally doing a lot of more traveling. Like, I'm traveling to two different mm-hmm. places in May, and so we're finally mm-hmm. getting back into traveling, uh, yeah. for better or for worse. And, you know, I know there's arguments on both sides on doing that, but, uh, yeah. you know, but, but, I, but Nintendo's done this before. Like, that's what I was trying to get across. Everybody's like, oh, they're trying to do something in response to E3. And I'm like, no, they've done these in Japan all the time. They've just yeah. never done them here. I would argue if the pandemic hadn't happened, we might have seen something like this sooner. So I'm because Nintendo's kind of been pulling back a little bit from E3 for a while. So, yes, I would agree. This has really nothing to do with E3. I will say it is interesting to me. Why now? Because Nintendo's sort of admitted they don't have a lot going on this holiday. So why put on a big live event when you don't have much going on? So either... They've got an ace in the hole they're about to pull out, which mm-hmm. would be the Switch successor, or maybe yeah. they they're good, they are going to release a big holiday title after all. You know, yeah. it's it's about time for a Mario title, especially with everything with happening movie, yeah. this year. Um, so I, I could see one of those things happening. Um, but it seems a little odd to me to have this event for the first time without a flagship product. Now I understand Nintendo could literally announce the flagship product at this event that will be out for the holiday season yes. and get away with it. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, it's not like it used to be even 15, 20 years ago. You remember the switch was announced, I think right after the new year, it was January and it came out yeah. two months later. Mm-hmm. So if this event was in early September, even if it was in mid September, they'd still be two months ahead of, the classic, you know, Black Friday, you know, major yeah. sales holiday. So, again, I don't want to get too tinfoil hatty. And, you know, I've, I've put a lot of predictions out there this year. I'm not sure this is one I'm ready to put on the record that I think Nintendo's going to announce the successor. But I will mm-hmm. say the storm is brewing in strange ways. Yeah. Now, also, there's this whole fact that Nintendo has, you know, the Smash tournament and the whole mm-hmm. brouhaha they caused in that scene. This is a chance for them to, I don't want to necessarily say get it right, because I think a lot of people would argue they got it way wrong by shutting down a lot of the fan stuff that they did. But it is an opportunity for Nintendo to show, okay, if you're going to shut down all these other tournaments, what are you going to bring to the Nintendo or what are you going to bring to the table in this department, Nintendo? Mm -hmm. So if they are bringing a type of like, I'm talking like Evo caliber Smash tournament and maybe some of Nintendo's other you know pro- games as well that are you know mm-hmm. competitive, but sp- specifically Smash, obviously the one we all have our eye on. If they can kind of bring that level of tournament, that could be very interesting for the live event. And yeah. you know, and that's why that's why I'm not completely willing to say, oh, they have to be sitting on something. Mm-hmm. If they're willing to do like an esports level competitive event with that type of production, yeah. it could justify what they're doing and and be very interesting to see. 
But, you know, in my opinion, if they're going to talk about tournament, they have one chance to get it right, or the fans are going to devour them for shutting down all those other tournaments. Not that there's anything they can do. It'll just be a lot of smack talking yeah. in the internet, but it's it's a chance for Nintendo to maybe get back some of that goodwill. Yeah, and, and, and the reason it's in Seattle is because that's where Nintendo of America is. They're, they're out in Redmond, Washington. Yeah. So it's basically mm-hmm. they're putting something on in their backyard, yep. which I believe in the in uh, in Japan, they were always in Kyoto when they did these mm-hmm. Nintendo Lives because that's where they are in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not in Tokyo. They're in they're in Kyoto. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's probably why they're why they're doing it. But and they're also like the good thing about Nintendo, what they're really good at now uh, is not having the loose lips as much is that they have software that we don't know about until three months until it's about to come out where other places, yeah. you know, they have the loose lips, you know, three, yeah. four, five, 15 years in advance, Suicide Squad, that this game is coming out. And Nintendo doesn't tell you until like, all right, you're going to be playing this in four months. Enjoy. Yeah. yeah. And, so be, and when they do I, mention I'm very early, interested to see. yeah. And when they yeah. do mention early, it's like, it's more because they kind of have to like Metroid Prime 4. Like they have to say something, and then yeah. then everybody's like, ah! But they don't show you anything about it until it's about three months away. Yep. So I do want to mention Breakman was uh, when I showed the book earlier, the adventure book. He was like twenty bucks in nineteen eighty four, uh, in dollars in today's inflation that will be three million bucks. He he showed up late, but I had sh- uh, shown early at the beginning of the show. I showed this little flyer that I got or I found from my dad that was sent to my dad from Mindscape about the Indiana Jones Commodore 64 game. And it was twenty nine ninety five was the cost of that game in 1984 for the Commodore 64. And I actually pulled out an inflation calculator. And so I don't know what 20 bucks is. I can't do that math in my head. But this this game that was twenty nine ninety five in 1984 for the Commodore 64 today is $87. That is how much it costs. So... Seventy dollars is too much to play for. We paid. We would have paid eighty-seven dollars in twenty twenty-three dollars for this Indiana Jones Commodore sixty-four game. And that's before microtransactions. That was yes. That that was a macro transaction right there. Yes. Because this game makes you feel like Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. That's what it says. What else are you going to be talking about on Orange Orange Radio tonight? Uh, we have some updates on Final Fantasy 16, thanks to a state of play that happened this week. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Speaking of Nintendo, they are um, continuing to elevate their war against mods uh, the same week that they unveil a new Zelda trailer, which, again, interesting. We're all, like we're we're really getting a lot of the info dump on the new Zelda game now, and it's a month out from release. So, again, to kind of put that into perspective uh, and much like the federal government, they have issues with people leaking things on Discord. So we'll talk about that as well. And uh, very interesting. The. Uh, story from a couple weeks ago speaking of elevating kind of revisiting this uh there's a u.s senator who says sony needs to be a little more transparent with some of these deals that they're making so that has come back Mm -hmm. around this week so we'll talk about that as well so lots going on this week all right orange lounge radio is up next thanks so much rob thanks as always bobby so that is it for me i will be back next sunday night maybe with more uh old historical memorabilia i don't know uh, come join us. Uh, we're live every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, right here at the Voice Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Network. Come join us, interact with the show directly, or you can find us on Discord, vognetwork.com slash Discord if you listen to the podcast feed. Thank you so much for that. Or on social media, at Bobby Blackwell, just about everywhere. MSTDN.games is the Mastodon instance that I am on. Uh, but if you want to know like when things are happening, you're going to have to go to the Discord because... Uh, Twitter shut down our bot. They 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 suspended our bot that uh, posted when po- podcasts went up and people went live on Twitch. So we can no longer tell you on Twitter. Uh, we're no longer allowed uh, to tell you on Twitter when we're live unless we do it manually, which I did today. But there's no automatic stuff. Um, so uh, if you like the show, tell a friend. If you hate the show, tell an enemy. I don't care. Just tell someone. The show is not for everybody, but it may be for somebody who does not know about it yet. Uh, I do want to thank people. I, I actually didn't thank anybody last week, but I do want to thank the people uh, that uh, that did donate uh, donate more bits and subscriptions and stuff last week during the interview. Uh, so thank you so much for all of that. That uh, happened uh, last week. So thank you. Sean322 had uh, cheered 500 bits for the interview with Mustin and the One-Ups. You should go check it out. Uh, Dark Tessia had resubscribed. Paleonimea resubscribed. SJ Winter Matt resubscribed. And Fifth Dream had resubscribed. I forgot to mention those last week. And so you get mes- mentions now a week later. I, I don't forget. I, I, I don't, I'm like an elephant. I don't forget with old floppy disks. So, um, that's a pirating joke. 
piracy joke. It was all about elephants never forget. That was what they were going for. And I, I didn't get it. I didn't I, I didn't get it as a kid. My dad, I, th- I guess it was funny. I don't know. Um, but that was the whole, you know, you wouldn't pirate a floppy. And, and my dad did. That's what we talked about. Anyway, bye. See ya. A winner is you. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the opinions of the Vogue Network, people who need to hire new voiceover guys, or your mom. Although if Bobby said it, it really should be. This has been a production of Bobby Blackwolf Studios.